Queen's Law is proud of its employment placement rate for students. Most students, 95.5%, secure articles by graduation. The CDO can help you explore all the possibilities your law degree will provide, determine the legal pathway that is right for you, help you reach your career goals, access an ever-changing job market with a wealth of opportunity for law school graduates, and position yourself for success upon graduation. Today, I'm joined by Mike Molis, Law Career Counselor, to discuss careers and career planning, which will include application materials, interview preparation, and professional relationship building. Welcome, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Mark. Thank you for uh, inviting me to the, to the podcast today. Uh, very excited to, to be here and share, share some insights on all this stuff. That's, that's great, Mike. I, I was wondering if you could provide uh, the audience with a bit on your background. Absolutely. So um, as Mark noted, I am the, the dedicated uh, law career counselor with the Faculty of Law here at Queen's Law. I work with the Career Development Office, which is under the umbrella of the Student Services um, Office here at Queen's Law. I've been in this role for about seven years. And prior to that, I was doing the same role at the University of Ottawa Faculty of Law. And before that, I was a criminal defense lawyer in Ottawa. And before that, I did a criminology undergrad at York University. And before that, um, I, I was a kid in Toronto who loved uh, Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers. So that's a little bit about uh, sort of my background, uh, Mark, just sort of broad strokes there. I've, I've always been involved and interested in, in the development of others and the progression of others. So um, it was uh, it was an exciting switch to go from law to career counseling. That's that's amazing, Mike. That, with that tremendous wealth of experience and very varied experience, what are some things that students should be aware of when thinking about you know uh, career and career planning? Okay, so I, I was so we, we won't we'll leave the Ninja Turtle stuff aside for a <laughs> minute. But if anybody <laughs> has any questions about that, um, so I would probably say that. Some, some broad strokes things to think about when we're thinking about careers and career planning is it is completely okay to not know what you want to do. Right. It is also completely okay if there are a couple things that you are curious about that you want to explore. And it's completely okay if you don't have a background or foundation in law prior to coming to law school. Right. Um, yeah. 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 And, and so if a student is, you know, uh, now in law school and, and you know, they, they weren't sure about what they wanted to focus in on, um, like, what's a really good starting point for students when they want to start thinking about a career in a legal professional setting? Absolutely. And I would say, Mark, this applies to uh, you know, our traditional ways of thinking about how lawyers operate, whether that's in a firm or whether that's within a government office or whether that's working as counsel for a company, otherwise known as in-house. Uh, this would apply if you're, if you're a lawyer working in the access to justice space. This would also apply if you decide that maybe you don't want to practice and you want to get into uh, a law-adjacent type career, sometimes called a JD Advantage career, where you don't need to have the law degree and you don't need to have a legal license, but uh, it can certainly help and make you a more competitive candidate. So, you know, a starting point, I would say, has broad applicability. And I, I would say it really is rooted 
in self-reflection and right. self-assessment, I would say. And I can expand on that more, Mark, if you Yeah, want. I was wondering if you could get into a little bit about both of those things that you mentioned, self-reflection and assessment, and how that actually works to help people basically figure out what it is that they want to do. Absolutely. So you remember how I said a moment ago that you don't necessarily need to have a law background coming right. into law yeah. school? Yeah. So the vast majority of, of students, maybe the vast majority of our listeners today, uh, may not have a background in law. And that's completely, that's completely fine. That's completely appropriate. Um, but then it does sort of beg the question, if you don't have a background in law, how are you going to pick the areas of right. law that you're interested in, right? So um, the reason that I sort of, we advocate at the Career Office about the importance of self-reflection and self-assessment is acknowledging that the future, the legal future or whatever that future may be, um, there's there's uncertainty in that. And there isn't a lot of expertise in that at this point in time. And we shift instead to the present. And then we shift, of course, uh, back to where we've been. And when we work with students on self-assessment and self-reflection, the first point is to acknowledge that there is a lot of different ways to do this. Um, but the the sort of the, the framework that, that we work with students through is something called VIPS. So that's uh, V-I-P-S. And I'm, I'm happy to go into a little bit more detail with that, Mark, or just yeah, leave it depending how you like it. If maybe we'd be coy and just leave it. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, probably let's expand upon it for everyone. <laughs> so, so that's shorthand for values, interests, personality, and strength. Okay. And the reason that we, again, rooted in this VIPS analysis is by having a really good sense of what you value, um, and we try to keep it in more of the professional sense when we're thinking about values. So this could be things like work-life balance. This could be things like the impact of your work. This could be things like the relationships that you build while at work. This could be things like prestige and salary. There's room for all of that stuff too, but it's it's really important to think about within the professional context. Okay, what do I what do I value? And to the greatest extent possible, thinking about how you actually define the value. As, as, you, as you, I'm sure you can understand, Mark, like work-life balance can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, right? Right. Yeah, for sure. So, so it's, it's getting a sense of what do you value in, that, in those spaces and, and defining it for yourself. The other thing to keep in mind is interests. And it's this idea that we don't have to stay confined to uh, the professional world when we're thinking about our interests. Uh, what kind of stories do you like to read? If you're, uh, you know, if you're perusing through the news, what types of news stories grab your interest? What are you watching on, uh, you know, so on a social media or on a streaming site? Uh, what are you listening to? If you're listening to podcasts like like this one, right? And it's this idea that all the stuff that interests us, whether it's Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, Lord of the Rings, you know, I'm showing my cards there a little bit, but yeah. uh, um, you know, we, we look through those things because chances are the stuff that interested you in the past. And at this point in your life is probably not going to go away, um, right. in, in work. Right. And it, it may not be exactly a one for one. Like, you know, for example, I've always loved, I've always loved learning about people. So I've always been reading autobiographies and the biography channel was something that I always watched when I was a lawyer. I always loved getting to know the person, not only the issue, but the person. Um, and, you know, as a career counselor, there's a significant uh, privilege 
with getting to know people in their stories, whether sure. it's through resume, cover letter, any of that stuff, right? So it's looking for those things that you've always sort of been interested in. Right. And seeing if, you know, identifying that, um, does that kind of make sense, uh, Mark? Yeah, totally. And I wonder too, like, I mean, you know, you can view it also when viewing legal professions from two different vantage points, right? I think one you touched on, which is this idea of that there's different types of lawyers or legal jobs, right? But then there's also areas of interest, right? Which I think is also the thing that you're talking about. And so understanding the things that you like or that interest you will inform both of those decisions, right? Um, which I think is really important because then that will help you to determine what's the best path to success. Um, yeah, for sure. And so, so when you, you know, so you go through this, this self-assessment period, right. Where you're getting a better sense of what it is that you're interested in and the things that you like to do, then once you have a better sense of that, then how does that, how do, how do these tools and techniques, like, how do they start to help inform like the actual mechanical aspects of applying for a job. So for example, like your search or like a draft in a resume or a cover letter or, you know, interviews, all that sort of stuff. Like how, oh, sure. well, where do you a, go next? You it's know? a fantastic question. So, so yeah, just to complete the thought quickly, the, the P in VIPs is personality and the oh. S in VIPs is strengths. No, it's all, it's all good. All, all that is to say, Mark, it's just by understanding all of this stuff, you're right. What do you do with it? Right? Like you have yeah. this sheet of paper, or this Excel spreadsheet or all these sticky notes with these things. And, and what do you do with it? Well, um, the the idea is is that you know when we when we think about jobs and when we think about job searches, a really popular thing that we hear is I'm looking for fit, right? I'm looking for something that fits, and I think there is definitely some nebulous element to fit. Like I do think that that's true that it is sometimes a gut feeling, but if you are breaking down fit, it probably has something to do with hey, when I was in that space, when I was working there, when I was doing that thing, I really felt like my values were engaged or right. I really felt like my interests were ignited and, and you know, I was able to play in those interests or my personality. I really worked well with those uh, personalities that I know I get along well. And I know, you know, those are certain personality types I don't do well in. So that experience didn't have a lot of those personality types. I didn't do well. With, but did have a lot that I do have a lot, even the strengths as well, you know, thinking about activities that strengthen you, whether that's research or writing or empathy, you know, chances are if you if you felt like you fit somewhere, it probably comes down to some combination of those four things. It's not exclusive, but there is probably some combination of those four things. So putting it all together, what do you do with this? Well, if you are thinking about, you know, what do I want to do? Then one way to do it is to just look for the job postings and to read through what the employer is looking for, what the tasks seem to be. Uh, so for example, you know, if, if you're somebody that, that knows that you really value the impact of your work and one of your interests is, is uh, getting to know people and being able to communicate with them, and you are, you know, be working best in a collaborative environment where, you know, not only are you needing empathy, but strong research and writing skills. If you're looking at, let's say, a job posting through the lens of your self-assessment and self-reflection, you can actually start to engage with that posting in a much more critical way because it allows you to say, you know what, 
I do see a lot of overlap here. There, there are some nuggets here that I, that I think I'm really going to be interested in. And then if you think about another way of learning about opportunities, maybe you're going to a relationship building event. Maybe it's a coffee chat. Maybe it's an open house. Maybe it's a job talk. And you have the opportunity to ask questions of these people who are, who are doing it and being there. How great would it be to maybe ask a question like the students that you work with, at what point in time do they get client interaction? Or right. what sort of, you know, right, Mark, you kind of see where I'm going with this? Yeah. So it's, you, you know, you say in your posting that, you know, students do a lot of, of research and writing. I wasn't able to unpack that anymore. Can you give me an example of, you know, the most common pieces of work that your student would be doing? So you're using your self-assessment lenses to explore and evaluate different options. And, and that can be a really, really strategic way to explore potential areas. And you don't need to have a laser focus on this. In fact, a big part of our office's programming is self-assessment and career exploration. So it is totally okay to explore things that maybe you weren't sure about. And, and I'm going to, Mark, I, I think about a story from one student where yeah. she had said that she loved this exercise, but then simultaneously it caused quite a bit of grief because every time she thought she had it figured out, she would have another conversation with somebody and it would muddy the waters, right? <laughs> to put her in a different direction or point her in a different direction. Exactly. And it's funny because going through it, I don't think it was that much fun for, for her. Um, but <laughs> with some time and space, she, she looked back on that and she said, you know what, I'm glad I did that because I feel really confident in the decision making. I feel really confident in, um, you know, geographically where I want to be. I'm really confident in the areas of law I wanted to pursue, really confident in the type of people I wanted to work with. And even though it was a bit of a roller coaster getting there, she said it was really, really, really uh, well invested time because it gave her so much clarity coming out of it. Yeah, and I think that's important, like uh, to note, right, is that for people to try different things and yeah. things that they may not be sure of, or things that they may may not necessarily be the first thing that they gravitate towards, because those may help to eliminate variables or to uncover new variables or or facets that may interest you or that you may excel at, right? Oh, absolutely, and you know, it, it reminds us of another uh, sort of. Uh, key theme that that we discuss with our students um it's this it's this concept of planned happenstance have you have you heard of this before mark i, I think i have but maybe let, let's explore it a little bit unpack it a little bit for me sure sure so just broad 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 definition here it is a career theory developed by professor john crumbles um who i believe was was out of stanford university okay and in essence it's focusing less on having that specific plan, like a very sort of right. rigid step by step by step. It's all figured out. It's all very clear. And more about finding opportunities in the unplanned events. Okay. Um, and it really does sort of embrace the ups and downs uh, that come with our careers. It, it embraces this idea of um, playing in the familiar, but playing also in the unfamiliar and, and challenging ourselves and pushing ourselves. And, 
and to put yourself in positions for good things to happen. Um, and the backbone of that, of course, is the hard work that you put into it. Um, but it is also the hard work, including like doing the self-assessment, reaching out to your relationships, uh, building those networks. That's another thing that I actually, you know, quickly wanted to just highlight, uh, Mark, was that, you know, I, I mentioned that students don't necessarily need to have a legal background coming into law school. You also don't need to have legal contacts. Like I am a first gen individual. Right. So first in my family to do university and law school. I came into law school as green as could be. I knew nothing about nothing sure. um, because I didn't have individuals within my network that, that had done the law or that had practiced the law. Sure. And one of the things that, you know, we kind of, we kind of embrace this idea that regardless of your starting point, one of the tremendous things, and Mark, I know you know this maybe better than anybody is, is just how it, the sense of community at Queen's Law is so great. Everybody wants to help one another out and build sure. each other up, right? Yeah. So we we provide students with tools to sort of facilitate that outreach and that relationship building because we do acknowledge it can be scary. Like it could feel overwhelming to do that outreach and to maybe ask for something or somebody's time. Um, so I've I've lost my train of thought a little. <laughs> we're talking, talking. I know we're off. We're off. For those joining us, we're we're talking with Mike Molas, who's the uh, law career counselor for the uh, career development office here at Queens Law, and we're we're talking about you know this idea of self self assessment, sorry, and self reflection, and how that can affect and inform your job search and inform the process of looking for and developing a career. And I think what you were talking about, Mike, is just this idea of you know, uh, legal background, uh, having a legal background is not necessarily important prior to joining law school, but also equally not as important is having legal contacts, right? Like yeah. by participating and by being part of uh, Queen's Law, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity to network, to meet people, to interact, not only with academics, but also people in the legal professional scope through a variety of different opportunities. And I think that's kind of what you were we were chatting about. Oh, that's Mark. I wish you could just follow me around and summarize everything back. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> it would it would provide a lot of clarity, I'm sure. Um, but you no, you're you're absolutely right. And um, you know, we were also chatting. Uh, the segue into this, I think, was just sort of the practical uh, repercussions that flow from the self assessment. Is this maybe a good time to talk about you know how this can apply to resume and cover letter writing, the two big documents that come with jobs and careers? I, I think so. But I think before we jump into that, I just wanted to mm -hmm. say in, in summation, because I think we kind of bounced around a little bit. So we have VIPS as our acronym. If you could kind of, if you could go through uh, just to, in summation what each of those uh, four things uh, were, and then we can jump into cover letters and resumes. I think that would be great. So, Mark, when we're thinking about self-assessment and self-reflection, the acronym that we use is VIPS, and that stands for Values, Interests, Personality, and Strength. And the working definition that we have for that is for values, we're thinking about it within the context of the workplace. And it is recognizing what you value in those spaces, whether it is work-life balance, whether it is collegiality, whether it is the prestige, whether it is the relationships that you build. Um, so that's how we think about our values. For our interests, we broaden that definition quite a bit 
Um, interests can be anything and everything that just catches your eye and your attention. So it could be the books you read, it could be the stories that you engage with, it could be the things you listen to, it could be the things that you loved growing up, it could be the things that you do when you have some downtime. The idea being that even if the job that you are looking for does not perfectly engage all of those interests, chances are there might be some, some things that we can pick out, some themes that we can pick out from among your interests. For example, being curious about others and wanting to help um, that you could apply to your job. The, the P in VIPs stands for personality. There's a lot of different ways of thinking about personality, but uh, you know it might be worthwhile to think about, okay, well, how would I describe my personality? What adjectives would I use? It may be helpful to ask uh, a partner or a, a parent or a colleague. Um, the idea is, is that we all have our own personalities and we all get along better with some personalities and, and, and maybe not so well with other personalities. The idea here being, um, if, I, if I have the choice, what types of people would I wanna be working around and with? And then the last one is strengths. And the idea of strength is really uh, something that strengthens you. It is probably something that you have some natural talent in, coupled with a love of investing in that talent. Um, so the example I always use is, you know, Beyonce, uh, probably a pretty good singer, uh, right from the, the start, right? But also worked a lot and invested a lot in that, yeah, right? right? Um, another way to think about strength is sort of this idea of flow. Uh, when you're doing something, you just sort of get lost in it. Time flies, whether that's writing or whether that's researching or whether that's, you know, doing some sort of creative presentation exercise. So that's another way of thinking about strength. So um, those are those are sort of the the definitions, the working definitions that we use for VIPs, Mark. Perfect. Thank you. That was a, that was a great summation. So yeah, and I think in general terms, right, it's this idea of looking at career opportunities not only as something that you make yourself attractive for in terms of a potential employer, but also understanding that it truly is a relationship, right? That the relationship not only with you with an employer, but an employer with you, right? Absolutely. If if those things, and it's a two way street, right? Like is this the right, are they the right employer for me to be involved with, I guess, is a way to think about it. Absolutely. Right, so. uh, one of the first notes of interview prep that we do is, uh, you know, we acknowledge that there is a power imbalance, right, uh, between the, the the student and the employer, but, but you are interviewing them as much as they are you. And uh, the other thing that I say, Mark, that I think kind of ties into what you said was, you're not going to trick anybody into giving you a job. And, and most importantly, you shouldn't trick yourself. Yeah. into that job right so it can be the hardest thing yeah as you trick oh, yourself yeah. you know so oh, yeah. yeah with that being said that i think that segues nicely into i think what we were we were going to get into the mechanics of it so i think what, what what did you want to tackle first uh resume and cover letters i guess just because i guess that happens first and then yeah. talk a bit about interviewing and interview prep sure i mean it's all part of the same transaction yeah. we, we, of course we do break it down but uh but but it all feeds into one another so yeah so the resume so you know that's one of those things um, you may have a resume coming from your previous uh, experiences in life. Maybe, uh, you know, you have a version of the resume that you've been updating slowly. Every industry has evolved sort of its expectations for this document. Uh, so really, you know, I can't definitively say there's a right or a wrong. I can just say, you know, these are what our, our legal audiences are looking for. So, you know, in Canada, it's a two-pager. Um, usually the sections are education followed by employment experience or professional experience. 
Um, then there's a volunteer and extracurricular section. Uh, usually if the student has some publications or awards, that would also either be subsumed in one of the other headings or, or stand alone. And then this really interesting thing at the end that is a bit unique as far as I know to legal uh, applications, it's the interests section. And right. um, this is really what it sounds like. It's just you know a different dimension of you as candidate where you might be able to put down that you love coin collecting or you love podcast listening or you you are uh, an expert in hot sauce tasting and I don't think any of this is determinative like I don't think like we need that hot sauce guy and he, yeah. he he will fit here but um more often than not what it's used for I would say is is you know to break the ice to get somebody talking about something that presumably they're interested in it's probably a lot easier to talk about hot sauce if you're into that then why should we hire you and what are your strengths so yeah <laughs> but in terms of how this all relates, um, the very first question that I ask students when, when sitting down to do a resume review or talking about the resume, what themes do you want this document to show? Right. You know. That's a good point. Yeah. Because it's a story, right? It, it is. And I think that the cover letter and the interview more naturally makes sense as storytelling, but there is a lot of room for that to also be reinforced in, in the resume. And what I tell students is that, you know, we, could, we can do the mechanics of, of the resume, but we're never gonna make this document yours unless you know what you wanna do with it. Like, you know, the themes, you know, the, the narrative, the story, the, the brand, the strengths, however you wanna, conceptualize it and then that goes right back to how much self-assessment that student has done right so if the student comes to me and says well I know that I'm a really effective communicator and by that I mean I I actively listen and I'm tactful and I have empathy I'm also really good at researching I've done different types of research and I'm familiar with different databases um, and I'm also I would say a great team player um, I'm somebody that really tries to build other people up. Um, I'm somebody that can be relied upon. I'm somebody that, uh, you know, is positive energy in these groups and spaces. We can write that down on our page. And then when we're thinking about the bullet points that we're drafting, those could be the lenses through which we talk about our, our experiences. Cause you don't have to put everything down in right. your resume. Um, but I would say it's probably a good idea for each bullet point to at least have a goal with it. It should be talking about a certain theme that you think is important or a certain slice of that job that you're really, you're really proud of. That's great. And, and I guess in some ways that would extend to when you're looking at a, um, a career opportunity, right? Like, and then you're identifying within that opportunity, the things that you gravitate towards and that perhaps you then position your cover letter, resume, in your interview uh, to highlight or to position yourself, uh, uh, you know, you know, in relation to that opportunity, right? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I encourage students to have maybe like a master copy of the resume where this is everything you've done with all of the potential bullet points that you could draft on it. Uh, because getting to that two pages, um, Usually when I meet with students, you know, early in their law school career, that, that seems like a hard thing to fill. And then usually by 3L, the students are like, this isn't enough space. This is, this is prime real estate here. This is Vancouver waterfront. I just, there's no room. There's no more space on right. it. Um, having that master document that you can go back into 
um, and strategically pick and choose experiences or bullet points um, is, is definitely something I recommend. Practically speaking, I think a lot of students do just end up having a fairly standard resume, but it really is the cover letter in the interview where they really start to personalize a little bit more. That's great. That's a, that's a, great, uh, a great point. Um, and then when we extend this then to the interview and preparing for the interview, um, how, how do we extend this kind of train of thought into those processes? Absolutely. So, you know, anytime I meet with a student and they say, I have this interview coming up, it's the same sort of question. What is your game plan? What do you want to communicate to the employers? What are the, the core strengths or what are some of those big wins, those big highlights that you want to, uh, to highlight for them? And I kind of, I call it the red balloon kind of theory. And if somebody has made this official, then I apologize for, for stealing it. But uh, it's this idea that, you know, in regular conversation, a red balloon's probably not going to come up, right? It's probably not going to come up. But if I come into that conversation knowing that I want to talk about red balloons or, or reference a red balloon, uh, I'll find my spot. You know, I will, I will find the way to bring that in. And it's kind of the same idea with your core strengths. If you know that you want to go into uh, an interview and talk about your leadership and your empathy and your, you know, comparative research and writing, you'll find that spot to do it if you know that that's what you want to do. And it could be in a very open-ended question. What are your strengths? What experiences are you most proud of? Uh, or sometimes you get, you get sort of fortunate and they ask you straight away, you know, there's a lot of research in this role. Tell us about your research experience. Either way, you're ready to go. Uh, and that's why I think the, the thematic interview prep rooted in self-reflection is really important because you can't control the questions. That's, that's just the reality, but you get your power back because you can control the answers. Right. And you know, if you know what you want to say, um, chances are you're going to be in a much better position to, to pivot and be like, oh, okay, here's an opportunity to bring in this this theme, and, and I, I think that that can feel very empowering to a lot of students because, you know, it's it's true. You know, like you could prepare a hundred questions, but what happens if you get a hundred and one? Right? Where do you go? Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, so if you have that so foundational we, background to in terms of what your premise is by entering the interview, then you have something to fall back on when you get that 101st question, right? <laughs> and the other thing, absolutely, I, I will tell students is like, well, I don't really know where to start with my interview prep. Um, and we kind of leapfrogged this a little bit in our chat today, but go back to your cover letter. What themes did you highlight in your resume and your cover letter? Uh, you probably, um, well, at least you, you probably should have been, you know, picking two or three experiences that, that capture or fully illustrate those strengths. You, you probably have introduced some narrative about why you're interested in the employer, um, why you wanna solve those problems or why you think you wanna solve those problems. Remember, nobody's, nobody's hiring you to be senior counsel. We don't need you to have all the ins and outs figured out, but why do you think you're interested in it? Why are these uh, themes that you think are important? Why are these people or groups that you think are deserving of the help and need the help? Um, sometimes I shorthand that too. It's hard to teach passion. Um, I can teach you how to research and write uh, and, and synthesize to a great extent, but uh, teaching you to care about something in the work, that sometimes can be a little bit harder. So don't be afraid to show that in your cover letter. And then that becomes a really great jumping off point for interview prep because you probably do have the foundations 
to questions like, why should we hire you? What are your strengths? Uh, why do you want to work for us? Why, why, our, why our firm? Why our office? Right. That's great. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to mention with regards to the interview, interview prep, the cover letter, the resume that you feel is important that we might not have hinted at or we might not have hit on rather? So it's a great question, Mark. Um, question, comma, Mark, not question. <laughs> not <laughs> yeah, question, yeah. Mark. I get um, that a lot, yeah. So <laughs> um, I would probably say that um, with respect to relationship building, um, having a sense of the, the questions, I think, is, is part of it. And I think uh, having a sense of the, the, what I mean by that is the themes that you want to explore or the topics that you'd like to have some knowledge gaps, you know, filled. I think that's part of it. Um, but I do know that usually it's that relationship building piece that does cause students, um, you know, a bit of concern, especially if it's, a, if it's an unfamiliar piece. Um, so the one thing that I really like to advocate for is uh, something we all at the Career Development Office uh, really advocate for is this concept of the, the gratitude mindset. And I can, I can unpack that for you if you'd yeah, like. Yeah, that'd be great. So the gratitude mindset is really sort of trying to move away from a mechanical way of thinking about gratitude and saying thank you. Um, I often get the question from students, so do I have to send a thank you? You don't, you don't have to, you don't have to. Um, and it is more of sort of taking that mental paradigm shift and really opening yourself up and being aware to the things around you that you can show appreciation for, that you can you know, give deference to, that you could say thank you to. So you know, oftentimes if a student says, you know, do I have to send a thank you note? Um, I will say, well, probably that person, that lawyer's practice didn't, didn't stop to interview you or didn't stop to have that chat with you. Um, chances are there were still files running in the background and phone calls coming in. Uh, maybe they you know, missed dinner with their, their family or maybe they came in early that day to do it. There is some value in just acknowledging at the base level their time right? And, and their right. efforts. And that's sort of one example of the gratitude mindset. And, and I would really say carrying that through when you are thinking about building your careers and building your relationship. Um, if you become known as that person who consistently shows genuine gratitude, somebody who is always quick with a, I really appreciate that. I really thank you for if you become that person, that's a pretty good reputation to have in a, in a legal world that is fairly small. Um, right. And if you're ever not sure, uh, you know, if you start an interview and you don't know how to start it, thank you so much for having me here. If you're ever, you know, starting an informational interview or a coffee chat, you don't know how to start it. Thank you so much for taking the time. You don't know how to end it. Thank you so much for your feedback. It's uh, It's a really... Once you start getting into that gratitude mindset and you start thinking about gratitude as this bigger concept that really has, you know, applicability to, to everything in life, keeping a gratitude journal is another good one. Just writing down things that you appreciate each day. Um, that can go a long way in, uh, in the relationship building. And I also think the reputation that comes with being uh, a legal professional. And that applies to, like we said at the top, whether you're doing law in a firm, in, a, in, a, in an office, whether you are doing something law adjacent, 
Um, so yeah, I think I'll just probably end on that note, Mark. Well, I was going to say that that is a great note to, to end on. And I, I want to maybe, you know, end by thanking you for uh, for taking the time uh, to sit with us today and uh, for allowing us to record this conversation so that we could share it with uh, students and potential students uh, at the Queen's Faculty of Law. So thank you, Mike Mullis, uh, Law Career Counselor <laughs> at, at Queen's Law for taking the time for sitting with us today. Thank you, Mark. And thanks everybody who, who joined us today for this.